Many of you know me. Um, I met a Nigerian called Fanan a few years ago who was studying at Oxford Centre for Mission Studies. Andrew knows him, a number of us know him. And he set up a work in rural Nigeria in a very poor area, actually, where he was from. Remarkable, he's come all the way here. Um, helping small, it's small finance, microfinance it's called. And um, anyway, I, I happened to be there three months earlier this year as a result of meeting Fanon. That's one way of putting it. But that's probably all you need to know for now. I'm a Christian, and I'm not that I've got as long as the sermon stop, but I'm doing the passage bit and talking a little bit about Nigeria. So I was asked uh, to do a Bible reflection based on something I did when I was out in Nigeria, which has put a certain amount of constraint on it, because it's not going to be a classic mission uh, text, but that's fine, it's God's word. So that's the introduction. I'll perhaps I'll show you two photos, if I can press the right button. Which one? Is it right? Oh, yeah. So that's one example uh, of one group, Apostolata uh, group. So this... There were four different groups, and they all have their own colour code. I've just got two photos. So you can see uh, that's the group, and in that group we would pray, we'd study the Bible first, and then there would be the business meeting of the group, uh, applying for loans, loans repayments, that sort of thing. Uh, so, And much of it was done through translation into team language. I learned some... Uh, Shima, who translated, is not in the picture, but that's, that's, that gives you a bit of an idea. That's uh, group two. That's uh, an orange tree. Um, and that's actually looking at the books. It's funny, finance without a computer is more complicated. <laughs> at least for someone like me. Um, I think that's... Yeah, so... That's the passage we will be looking at. So if you could turn to that, if you have it, that would be useful. Um, I will be doing a more full uh, report back. I'm hoping that will be Sunday week. Uh, but it, it, there may be a conflict of rooms. But it will probably be on Sunday at 3.30 in this building. So you're very welcome if you want to hear more about the actual details of what I did, that's, that's the opportunity for that and, and to ask questions. Um, just a couple of preliminary points. Uh, and sometimes one knows this isn't, one can forget this, I suppose, but of course it's absolutely true. The Lord has no cultural preference. He made the whole world. He has no favourites. No one community, one, no one culture has more insights into Scripture than any other. We can all help each other to grow in Christ. Um, we can learn from each other. There will be some things about a particular culture which might be closer, that it's working out, might be closer to what we are called to in our culture. And together we can grow up in Christ. Um, so... Um, so here we are in the UK I was out in Nigeria that whole cultural exchange is very fascinating on a number of levels but particularly for a Christian particularly for a Christian 
Because the Christians out there and the Christians here, us, we're called to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, as Paul puts it in Romans. We're to beat to a different drum. So we need to understand our culture. And where it is opposed to Christ's uh, rule, we need to be different. And it's interesting, when you cross a culture, you can sometimes see more clearly where another culture is good at that or bad at it or where we're bad at it and so on. So it really is a partnership. And it was a great privilege, and I thank you, everybody who prayed for me and the work there. This was, in effect, our work out there. Um, just, just another preliminary point. We, we, we actually have a unique vantage point on the culture in which we live. And I think the reason for that is we have had the privilege of being given a view from outside. So if you like, God has led us in to his purposes. Uh, we would be blind without that. We know what life's actually about. And so we can, we can look at things from that, from, from not, not we've got it right because we've got it right, because God has shown us about what life is, what priorities and standards we are to have so that we're not swayed by the particular culture we're in. As we saw this morning, uh, we must, in our own cultures, remove as many obstacles as possible to communicate with us. So we need to understand our culture so that we are not conformed ourselves and so that we can speak into it. Okay, so we've, we've turned up the passage. Um, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you that your word um, calls us to yourself to find joy in you, to find hope, uh, to find you, and to live in your world as you call us to. We pray that as we reflect on this passage, uh, that you would speak to us today in our culture and help us uh, to hear your voice through for what, for what we think about, what we speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I will read from chap, from verse 13. As, as the Bible, I did a Bible study, as you know, through translation here. So it's a slightly different format. But if you do take notes, it, this whole section really is about pleasing God, living to please God. And the first bit is we're to be pure and holy. The second point, verse 9 to 12, is we're to love and work hard. And the third part, which is what we're looking at now, is how we view a believer's death. So I am aware that when we talk about death and grief, that might be a particularly live issue for some of us. So let's be gentle with one another in case that is the case. Okay, I will read verse 13 onwards. Brothers and sisters, writes Paul, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you 
that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay. So we'll just race through it very quickly. So, in verse 13, well, Paul was in Thessalonica for three Sabbath days, we read in Acts. So he wasn't there very long, but he was there long enough to explain Christ had died, Christ has risen, and those who trust in him could be forgiven, etc. Okay? So the gospel was bearing fruit in Thessalonica, and we see this letter, he's addressing how it is advancing, people's hope and love is growing. But there were some questions they had, because some of their number had died. What, how does that work? This is a new church. That was the particular, one of the particular questions they had. And he did, had talked about this, but he did, he just wants to put, put that, clear, clarify what's going on, okay? We don't, uh, we don't want to be, uh, to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind, unbelievers, those who have no hope. Okay. So I guess they were, they were, they weren't quite sure how to think about a believer's death. Okay. And it seems that Paul is drawing out a compar- a, a contrast that the Christian who has a, a Christian who dies, there's a contrast because we have hope. Okay? Um, so, both face death, but there are two different responses. We'll come on to the nuances of grief as well. But the point is, there is a difference for the believer because of our hope in Christ. And Paul then explains why that is the case in verse 14. Uh, so, just as Christ died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So Christ died, he rose again, he will bring those who died in him with him. There's a symmetry, if you like. Okay. So therefore, we can look at death in a slightly different way than people around us. It's not the end. It, it does, it, it is, a, it is, as Paul says it elsewhere, it is the last enemy. It does separate us from our bodies. It does separate others. It is bad. It was not part of the plan. But it's changed. Grief is modified uh, for us, the believers. Um, okay? Uh, and this is not a vague hope. It's based in concrete fact what Jesus did. 
Okay? And then, in verses 15 to 17, he explains the future. So he's just looked back at the past and said, that's what's happened. Then he kind of expresses it out, the difference between if when Christ returns, still true today, Christ returns, uh, we will either meet him there, and those who die will meet him. In effect, it doesn't matter if you're dead or that's basically what he's saying. Um, okay, so firstly, the Lord comes. Uh, and then, and we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not proceed, will not be in front, as it were, before them. So firstly, the Lord comes down. It's very clear, it's very public, as we read elsewhere. Uh, and the dead... Christ rise, and then, then those who are still alive meet him. That's, that's the summary, if you like. We meet the Lord. Uh, there's lots one can talk about, questions I'm sure. But often a dignitary in that culture would be met outside of the city. You see it all over, in the, in, even in the Gospels, that when, uh, even in, a, in another Greek situation, when Mary and Martha, uh, Martha goes out to meet Jesus. And then later Mary hits and she goes out. So the image here is, and it's in Roman culture, a dignitary was met at the city gate and kind of, then they'd come back. That's the image here as well. That's, a, that's in the sign in a sense. But that's one of the reasons those, those images are used. Because elsewhere we have revelation of God coming down uh, to us. So that's our final location. And so the renewed earth, the new heaven. Okay. And the wonderful thing is we will be with the Lord forever. And that's where we're all headed if we trust in Christ. All believers throughout history will be with Christ. That is our hope. Is that your hope? Is that do you live? If for you to live is Christ. That is, that is the reality for us. And that's a good thing. We can encourage one another with that. So, if we die before the Lord, that doesn't affect our future. Dead or alive, we will be with Christ. It makes no difference. So grief, there is. But it's altered, it's reframed, it's shaped for us who have hope. We are people of hope. Believers don't have a solid hope. Different people respond to death in different ways, but we have a certainty as Christ died and rose again. Okay, that's a very brief reflection. You might be thinking, why? Why have I looked at this? Um, looking at that passage of 1 Thessalonians, Fanan had told me certain things about the culture that he thought weren't quite needed to be fleshed out, biblical understandings. Uh, so the first two points, which we didn't look at, were quite key. But I, I noticed, when I was there, I was there for three months, that death is all around there. It's just much more present than we see it in our culture. So, for example, Fanan's father is buried outside of the house. You can't avoid the reality of death. Whereas here... It's kind of hidden away, in a way. And our mortality is much better than for people out there. Also, people travel less 
distance. So when somebody dies in the next community, everyone knows, you know, it's, it's a very real thing. Okay. And let me explain how they do the sort of proceedings around that. Okay. And that, then it will begin to make sense why we looked at this passage. So when a Christian dies, many people are Christians. In the 40s, the gospel came to that village, more in a um, There's what they call a wake. So people will stay up all night, the night before the funeral. People will bring gifts, and people will cook through the night with those gifts. So there might be a lamb, there might be all kinds of things. Uh, but it's very celebratory. It's like a party. And it was somewhat strange coming from this context to see that. And I did see it a little bit and I talked to people about that and I had to think, okay, what did the scriptures teach on this? Are we closer to the scripture here in the way we view Christian death, or are they? So we got together and we tried to look at the word. And actually, I thought, and I'm not so sure now, I thought actually that they overlooked the grief side of grief. And that may be true, but actually I think we as a culture very often, when a, when a believer dies... Because we're sad for the people around, but actually, they're safe. Perhaps it should be more of a celebratory It seems the contrast Paul is making here is that we don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. It's true, he doesn't say we don't not grieve. We, don't, we certainly don't grieve in the same way. And some commentators make the point that actually, it's really, it isn't grief, and it isn't grief in the way that we often conceive of it. Interesting. So it's interesting. I thought I, I was coming with, um, you know, because clearly the, the, the Bible says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Where was the weeping in that culture? Where was, you know, you think of Jesus at, at, at Lazarus's tomb, knowing that he would bring him back from the dead. A few hours later, and he cries, he weeps. So, how does that work? How does that work? And I was worried, I read one of the Proverbs when I was there, it says this. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, even in Nigeria it gets cold for them. Or <laughs> uh, like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Perhaps you've had that. You're in a bad place, and people just call you to sing songs. That was my fear, that that was what was happening. People weren't actually allowed to grieve. So that was one of the reasons that it would be good to look at this. We had a very fine discussion after it about our cultural practices as well. Okay, but, but I think also when we try and understand a different culture and how they look at things, we've got to think about the concepts that that culture's in and what's behind it. So, for example, as I mentioned, the gospel arrived in about the 40s, so it's relatively fresh. And before, 
there was an uncertainty at that day. Had you done what is right for your ancestors? There would be question marks about your funeral. So of course, it's much more appropriate to grieve in that sense. So when the gospel comes, a message of hope, security of the future, it's totally different. Totally different. So if, if, I say if, they've moved too far that way, it's, it's very understandable. They believe the scriptures, do we? Um, you know, you're going to meet the Lord. There will be celebration. And there's lots of trials for all of us, but especially out there. And, and they're free from them. And, it, and, and that view will affect the life. So, make peace with the Lord while you're still alive. So, the whole way of thinking for a culture has shifted in a relatively short way of time. And it's remarkable. There is a, a great joy there because of that. Um, there's much I could say about the culture, but I'm not going to do that now. But the, the fruit of this understanding, there's still people from that era... Uh, just about are still becoming Christians. Uh, a kind of mama of the community in her seventies was get, getting baptized about a few weeks back, uh, and she sort of crossed over in that interface. It's, it was wonderful to meet. And uh, so, in the face of death for a believer, it's modified for us. Okay. How about us here in the UK? I'll just show you one picture here. So this is just down in, in, in the um, SSMJ. And this one is just one I just chose. Mo- most of them were just kind of like rather lightweight in what they said, I thought. But this one, at least, it's like until the resurrection will until the resurrection morning. Uh, interestingly, Brian Hennegoff's mother, mother's funeral, uh, gravestone's there. It's definitely worth a look at some point. It's beautifully written, but it wasn't quite as relevant to here. But is this how we think of things? For ourselves? If Christ comes now, are we ready? If we die, are we ready? How will we think about Christian funerals in the future? Let me just read that first verse again. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And then two other, other passages of scripture. Two verses. First from Paul. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of the eye, of an eye, at the last trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15. Then from Revelation, then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, 
says the Spirit. They will rest from their labour, for their deeds will follow them. We maybe we'll pray for the, the church out there. Maybe that's that's the Bible passage. A little look at how cultures intersect. One way of looking at it is this triangle. So Nigeria, UK here, Christ is the pinnacle, and we can learn under Him together and modify our expressions as we try to understand the scriptures together.